0: Girl Chapter 5. The following day was a bright and sunshiny day and our little group woke up feeling energetic and anxious to get the day going. They looked at each other and exclaimed, "Yay, we are in Kentucky! Boonspur cannot be that far away. Let's get cracking!" so they put together a morning meal for themselves and for their mules and dogs. Packing their mules, the little caravan followed the landmarks given by preacher Paul. In the course of their journey over the mountains and through the wilderness, our pioneers forgot the trials of the trail in the face of the surpassing beauty of the country. The Cumberlands were covered with the rich undergrowth of the red and white rhododendron, the delicate laurel, the mountain ivy, the flamed azalea, spicewood, and the cane, while the white stars of the dogwood tree and the carmine blossoms of the red bun across the verdant background of the forest assaulted their senses in a most delightful way. So rich a soil they had never seen before, covered with clover and full bloom, The woods alive, abounding in wild game, turkeys so numerous that it appeared to be but one flock scattered throughout the woods. It appeared that nature, in the profusion of her bounties, had spread a feast for all that lived. The color of the floral arrangements excited the girls. While the abundance of the game excited the boys, they all fell in love with Kentucky and forgot all of the hardships they'd been through. As they approached Boonesboro, they began seeing signs of civilization. Here and there, they saw a few plowed fields. These were very exciting and welcome sights. Once they encountered a woman out in the field, she dropped her utensils and came over to greet them. She and our our party had loads of questions for each other. Rachel, speaking for the others, told her that they were on their way to get some free land. The women told Rachel that there was a land office in Boonesboro and that they should apply there. After more conversation and questions of each other, our little party thanked her for the information and continued on to Boonesboro. Remembering the ladies admonitions about the Indians, Rachel and company kept a keen watch. A couple of hours later, the day was fading, and they decided to make camp. After supper was over, they sat around the small fire they'd allowed themselves to have and talked about the last day's events and the possibilities of waiting in Boonesboro. By the ladies' estimate, they were within one or more days' travel to Boonesboro. They had descended a considerable distance since passing through the gap, and they could tell that the land was more lush. This was very good news, creating excitement about their own possibilities homesteading such land. The excitement that they felt was transferred even to the dogs, so they scampered about. The mules, though, were unperturbed and just grazed the lush grass, glad to have the grass instead of the dry grain. Finally, the little group, having finished the evening's chores and necessaries, wrapped themselves in their blankets. Sleep did not come quickly, though, as so thoughts were piling up on each other. The women were thinking about the loved ones and the family left behind, and also the excitement of starting a new life in a new land with a new male mate. The men were thinking of how they defended against the Indians, and what adjustments must be made in future engagements. The physical strains of duty won, and heavy eyelids closed. Broke bright and clear, and our little group stirred and got up excitedly. Everyone was anxious to start the day and could hardly wait to get the chores done. After the necessaries were done, breakfast was quickly handled, packs on the mules were reset, and our little caravan was on its way to Boonesboro. After a half day's hike, they crested a slight hill and saw in the distance their goal. Bootsboro was a series of buildings enclosed in a stockade. The walls of the stockade were tree trunks, sunk into the ground and rose to a height of 12 feet. Each post was sharpened at the tip and also lashed to each one on its right and left. The whole fort sat astride of a deep running creek thus ensuring a constant water supply if the fort was ever besieged. At each of the four corners of the stockade was a guard tower, which rose higher than the wall of the stockade. In each of these tires was a platform that could hold several men and their guns. The tower is jutted out three feet beyond the adjacent wall. This afforded the defenders the ability to fire upon anyone next to the stockade fence. The entire fort sat in the middle of a clearing where bush and trees had been leveled to the ground. Anyone attacking the fort would have to cross open land with no cover and therefore face the defenders who would be behind the massive stockade. As our little caravan crossed the open clearing, they were hailed by someone in the nearest tower. Clem answered the hail. We would like to enter Boonesboro as we would like to be homesteaders. Come on in, was the reply. And with that, the massive gates were opened slightly to allow our little party and their mules to enter. As soon as they were inside, they were surrounded by several men and women with everybody asking questions and welcoming our group. Where are you from? Did you see any Indians on your way? Did you bring any gunpowder? These and many other questions were fired them as quick as they could speak. Rachel answered as many questions as she could, and in between would ask questions of her own as to the safety of this little fort, how many families are here, and how can we get free land. All this conversation took place within minutes. The ones inside the fort were glad to learn that each of our party had a gun and ammunition, but they were concerned that they had been attacked by Indians within a few miles of the fort. Several of the women were particularly questioning about the militia which was chasing the Indians. Their husbands were the militia, and they were relieved to find out that when the militia helped our little group, not one of them were hurt or killed. All were very glad that Rachel and her group came out to homestead. It was always thus, the more homesteaders there was, the more safety there was. While they were talking, Rachel asked about obtaining a land site. One of the women whose husband was in Alicia told Rachel to go to the land office located in the southwest corner of the stockade. Rachel liked this woman, whose name was Nellie. She said that the land office was run by Mr. Henderson, who had purchased the land from the Cherokee Indians. His company was called Transylvania, and was not yet recognized by Virginia. Nevertheless, all other homesteaders recognized the validity of the Transylvania company, and so with no other objectors, the land transactions were considered valid. Each parcel was to be laid out with known markers, and the estimated amount of land was 640 acres each. Some of the best land was still available, and therefore Rachel and her friends could still claim wonderful property.